Welcome to Houseplant Homebody. I'm your host, Holly, and I'm here to tell you all about my favorite thing, plants. You ready? Thanks for tuning in to the 31st episode on April 13th, 2021. Let's talk about pets and plants. Not only can you listen to the podcast, you can find more on houseplant-homebody.com. You can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest at Houseplant Homebody LLC. And go check out the blog posts that are associated with all these podcasts as well. And don't forget to rate and review this podcast. And make sure you're commenting, liking, sharing, and subscribing to this podcast, my blog, and social media posts. You can also help support your favorite podcasts and blog by joining me on Patreon for exclusive podcasts, early access to podcasts, and exclusive content. And if you just can't get enough Houseplant Homebody, don't forget I send a monthly newsletter on the first of every month with also exclusive content and some updates on what happened the previous month. All right, let's dive in. This episode is actually sponsored by my Aunt Elisa. She's always been a really big part of my family and a really big supporter of me, whether it was Houseplant Homebody or previously I had some art companies before that, and she's always been a big supporter of that too. She's also a huge help to my family, especially when my dad passed away several years ago. And as my sister and I were growing up, she was always our favorite aunt to hang out with as well. So the reason I actually put her on this podcast is because her and her husband have always had cats or dogs from when I was young up until now. So they are a truly animal loving family. So I really wanted to include her on this episode. So thank you, Elisa, for always supporting me, House My Homebody, and always being there for my mom and my sister as well. So thank you. Love you. All righty. Before we get into the nitty gritty of it, I want to remind everyone that I do have the Instagram Q&A at the end of this podcast, and I do have it on the blog post as well. So if you asked a question related to the this pets and plant episode, it will be there. There were about eight questions this time, and I was able to answer all of them, and I loved that they were actually all different, which is great. So... Stay tuned for the end if you did ask a question because I will be addressing it. And I know throughout the podcast I'll be addressing these too and there will be topics that are covered, but I'm going to answer them either way at the end as well. So today I'm going to talk about pets and plants, meaning plants that are toxic, what toxic means, plants that are non-toxic that are safe for your pets, and really how to prevent your pets from messing with your houseplants so they can just coexist together. I do want to remind everyone that not all of the information is provided in the podcast or the blog, so make sure you do your research when you bring a new plant home. If you have questions specifically about it or toxicity or what may happen if you bring it home or if it's toxic or whatnot, feel free to just message me and this podcast should cover a lot. So let's jump into the topic of what does toxic mean? So for me, toxic really depends on the plant and it depends on your pet. So plants are considered toxic because they can cause some irritation, but they're also considered toxic if some of them cause death. This also really depends on the type of plant you bring into your house and your pet's reaction to it. One pet might have a very minor reaction versus another could have a very severe reaction. You don't know until it's really too late. A plant may cause irritation such as like mouth or throat irritation or discomfort, vomiting, diarrhea, or it could even lead to even more complications like death. In some of these plants, that was in their description. So it's just super important to not take this topic very lightly and do your research before bringing plants into your house. I can't stress that enough. I'm not going to be able to provide 
all of the information that you're going to need, but I can't stress that enough. It's not worth it. So just do your research before you bring your plant into your house. I know I sound very serious right now, but I've read a lot of stories about people bringing plants into their house or even on their patio, not thinking about letting their pet munch on them and all of a sudden a day later they're gone. So just make sure you're doing research ahead of time. I also want to say if you don't have any houseplants but you'd like to start bringing them into your home and you have a pet, start with non-toxic houseplants. That way you can find out how your pet's going to react to it before there could be a potential problem. So if you're pet doesn't react to it at all, well, then you're probably in the clear to try something else. Maybe bring in a few houseplants that are non-toxic and that they really don't care. Maybe start bringing in the toxic houseplants if it's in the clear for you. Like my dog, for example, could not freaking care less about houseplants. My big monster, he'll run into the leaves once in a while and that's the extent of it. But some people, and I've heard most of the stories are cats that like to eat houseplants or cats like the movement that a houseplant gives, so they'll play with it and bite it. And you just want to see what their reaction is to it before you bring in a toxic houseplant. If you're really not comfortable having toxic houseplants because you never know what's going to happen someday, just avoid them at all costs. There's plenty of beautiful non-toxic houseplants out there that you can bring home. That's not going to hurt your pet if something does happen. So in this podcast, I will talk about some toxic houseplants and some non-toxic houseplants, but on the blog post, I detailed a lot more and I detailed what the ASPCA or depending on what website I found it on, the ASPCA or the Pet Poison Helpline website said about the symptoms that they would have. Some of the plants weren't listed on either one of those, which I was actually kind of surprised, but in that case, I relied on university extension websites because I trust them. And I linked all of the ASPCA or Pet Poison Helpline websites or whether it's the university extension website to all of the poisonous or toxic houseplants. So that way, if you do have questions, they are all linked right on my website. Even for the non-toxic houseplants, the ASPCA might have listed them as non-toxic or just provided just slightly more information about them on there. So I linked those as well. Also, if you want to see pictures of puppies and plants, go to the blog post because I recruited my friend Sierra and her dog Atticus um, to take pictures. And that is on the blog post. And my dog Bruno is on there. And my friend's cat Blueberry is on there as well. So you'll see some cute animals if you go to the blog post. I will also dive into ways to prevent your pet from getting into houseplants. But let's dive into talking about toxic houseplants now. Okay, so for the toxic houseplants, I have provided links to the ASPCA or the Pet Poison Helpline, or if I couldn't find the plant in either one of those, I linked a university extension. Usually it's a horticulture extension that puts in a lot of information about the plants and includes toxicity on the website to every plant I listed. So I also copy and pasted the symptoms for each of these plants, but there is definitely more information if you go directly to those links all on my blog post. So probably the most common symptom of most of the plants on my list are Right around this same verbiage, it says oral irritation, pain and swelling of mouth, tongue, and lips, excessive drooling, vomiting, difficulty swallowing. That's probably the most common of all of the symptoms that are listed. Granted, there are other ones. For example, begonias list kidney failure, or bird of paradise also lists drowsiness. Cyclamen lists seizures and death as 
a couple of the potential symptoms. Dracaena actually lists vomiting occasionally with blood, depression, anorexia, hypersalvation, diluted pupils in cats specifically. So it ranges based on what plant it is and it will range based on your pet as well what will happen. So there are a few plants I want to list right now that have a warning of death in them. So that is begonias, cyclamen, duranta, oleander, and sago palm. So those are the ones that either on the ASPCA website or the Pet Poison Helpline or the university extensions that they list death as a potential symptom. So those are really poisonous houseplants that you have to be careful with. Thank God I have a dog that could not give a crap about my houseplants because I have a Duranta for sure. I don't have the rest of them, but I do have a Duranta. It's always out of his way, but still. So I'm going to list the plants that are listed on my website. Again, that is not all of them, not even close. Just because I'm listing the houseplants doesn't mean I'm listing all of them. Also doesn't mean I'm listing all the plants in the world. So keep in mind, landscape plants didn't even include on here. Some of them are also poisonous. So make sure you're doing your research. Check the ASPCA website or the Pet Poison Helpline. If you can't get to either of those websites or you're not finding the plant in there, it might be named something different because I found it under a couple different names on those websites. Or try a university extension website because they're usually really reliable as well. So here is the list. Aglaonema, aloe vera, amaryllis, antherium, asparagus fern, begonia, bird of paradise, Calli, Cordyline, Crown of Thorns, Cyclamen, Desert Rose, Diffenbachia, Dracaena, Duranta, Easter Lily, Elephant Ear, which includes Calocasia, Alocasia, and Caladium, English Ivy, Ficus, and I mean all Ficus, Gardenia, Jade, Kaffir Lily, Calancho, Lantana, Monstera, Oleander, Peace Lily, Pencil Cactus, Philodendron, all Philodendron, Poinsettia, Pothos, Sago palm, Schifflera, snake plant, string of pearls, Syngonium, wandering jewel, and ZZ plants. I also listed succulents on the toxic and the non-toxic sections because there are some of both. And I just included an article from a succulent company that describes which are poisonous and which aren't. So since there's so many varieties out there of succulents, I couldn't go through all of the individual varieties, but that's the list of poisonous plants that I have listed. Like I said, most of the descriptions are very similar to the oral irritation and discomfort, but there are those few that are very, very severe and you should be watching out for. Okay, so let's jump into the non-toxic houseplants, something a little happier now. <laughs> All right, so I was actually surprised at how many of the houseplants that I really love are on the non-toxic list. I also included the ASPCA website or the Pet Poison Helpline websites where they listed these plants as non-toxic on their website, just in case you wanted to see it as well. They don't really have a ton of information on there because they're non-toxic, but I wanted to include it anyway, so that will be on the blog post as well. So there were a couple on this list, like succulents, for example, I just talked about, that there's some that are also toxic. And then there's another one randomly, polka dot plant that says it's non-toxic, but still could experience mild vomiting and diarrhea. But overall, ASPCA says it's non-toxic. So those are the kind of the only like one-off plants that had a slightly different description. But I will list the rest off to you. So on this list as non-toxic houseplants, I have African violets, ear plants, areca palm, banana plants, Boston fern, bromeliads, 
burrow's tail, calathea, canna lily, cast iron plant, chenille plant, fetsia, hawarthia, hibiscus, holiday cactus, hoya, jasmine, lipstick plant, majesty palm, maidenhair fern, money tree, nerve plant, norfolk pine, orchids, parlor palm, peperomia, phoenix robolini palm, pilea, pitcher plant, polka dot plant, ponytail palm, prayer plant, spider plant, staghorn ferns, string of hearts, string of spades, string of daggers, succulents, again, some are toxic, and venus flytrap. So those are all non-toxic houseplants, which if you go through the list, there are several varieties of calathea, several varieties of hoya, several varieties of peperomia, pilea, orchids, even prayer plants that you could purchase. So there's a ton of options on here if you're really concerned about bringing a plant home that you want to make sure it's safe. So super positive that you have so many amazing options here on this list. Some plants you may not have even heard of, but like chenille plant, I don't know if you've heard of that. They are so cool. If you don't know what they look like, you need to go look it up right now on the internet. They look like literally red fuzzy caterpillars hanging off of a plant. I still want one so bad and I have not gotten one, but I will get one someday. They actually had them planted, I think, at Chicago Botanical a couple years ago when I was there last. They're really cool. So anyway, so you might not have heard about that. You might not have heard about lipstick plant. So all different things that you could expose yourself to in the safety of your pets in your home. So isn't that wonderful? I love it. Okay, let's get into the ways to prevent your pet from actually getting to your house plants. I kind of have three stages to this. So let's go over that. So several ways to prevent your pet from getting to your houseplants. Some people have good success with some of these. Some people tried everything, nothing works. So that's why we're going to go over it to make sure you've tried everything if you're having problems. I'd also like to remind everyone what I talked about in the beginning. If you are bringing a plant into a household with a pet and this is the first plant, make sure you're buying a non-toxic houseplant to begin with. That way you can see how your pet adjusts to a plant coming into the house. I'd also keep doing this for a few house plants to make sure that even if your plants are starting to crowd your space, the pets aren't any more interested in them. So let's go into my three different stages. The first stage is deter and deflect. So you could use, for example, a pet spray deterrent, which tastes usually pretty bitter, and it will not harm your pet or your plant. I linked one on my website, and I believe I got it from Chewy.com, and I've used it before with Bruno because he used to get anxious and chew on like the corner of furniture once in a while. That's when we weren't kenneling him, but he never chewed on plants, but this is one product you can use on plants, and it won't harm your plants or your pets. If you want a homemade version of this, you could dilute lemon, lime, orange, or really any citrus juice in water and spray directly on the leaves of the plant. And because of that citrus kind of bitter taste, your pets are not going to like it. So those are a couple options to deter your pet. The next kind of part of that is deflect. <laughs> so general pet boundary training could actually be a really good long-term solution for you. I know people that do this outside too. They don't have a fenced in yard and they teach their dog to stay in the yard and not go past a certain line. You can do this in your house too. It takes a lot of effort and some training, but if you're willing to go the extra mile to do that, that's a really great solution. I am not a dog trainer, so I'm not going to give you any tips on that, but there are plenty of blog posts and people out there that are willing to help with that if you're interested in that. The last kind of deflecting piece of information I'll give you is to keep your pets occupied with toys. So toys that are meant to distract. So there, I went to Chewy.com and I typed in 
distracting cat toys, and a whole thing came up. And same with dog toys too. And I actually linked both of those on the blog post if you want to see what those are. But this is a really great way to just distract your pet temporarily. Granted, I know my dog is super smart and won't last more than a few hours with some of those toys and it has to be food driven for my dog. So I've had a couple of bones that you can stick treats in or they're like really jammed in there and he really has to chew to get them out or bounce it around or whatever. I've had it last him about three hours and then he just sleeps for the next three hours. So that could be a really good distraction and tire your pet out. So that way it sleeps during the middle of the day when it would usually be eating your houseplants. (laughs) So deterring and deflecting are the first stage. If you've tried those and those don't work, the next one is repositioning your plants. So you can put your plants up high on shelves or even hanging them off the ceiling. I know this might not necessarily work with cats because cats can jump like crazy people, but... For dogs, this is a really good solution for the spaces you have. If you have the option of putting up floating shelves or something, that could provide the space you need for your plants, yet won't be affecting your dogs at all or your dogs can't get to them. Unless you have a very smart dog, then I would say good luck with that. (laughs) Another thing you do to reposition is put your plants in a separate room that is off limits to your pets. For me, that wouldn't work because Bruno has access to the whole house But when I was growing up, my dog, Abby, we had a yellow lab growing up, she wasn't allowed in a couple of the rooms. So houseplants in there, she would have never gotten to. So that's partially boundary training and partially there were doors on one of the rooms. So (laughs) if you have a room that a pet is off limits to or can't get into or is not allowed to get into, that is another option. Granted, like for me now, that it's not an option. So that's just another suggestion. The last one, which is a really good solution, I think is probably the best repositioning solution for cats specifically, is putting the plant inside of something that they can't get to. So if you have a small terrarium or a greenhouse, for example, the Ikea mini greenhouses are literally $20, or you go to, for example, Hobby Lobby or a vintage shop and buy one of those giant bird cages or even like those lanterns, and you could put your house plants in there. That way they can't get to them, plus it's really cute. So that's a really good option. I never really thought about that until I was typing this out, but that is a really good option. Your cat might be able to get into like the birdcage kind of situation, but really wouldn't be able to get its head in there to like get to the plant. So anyways, that's another repositioning option. So either put your plants up high, put it in a room that's off limits, or put the plant inside something that your animal can't get to at all. The third stage is you're almost giving up. (laughs) If your pet has just outsmarted you through and through and just does not care that you're doing any of these things to prevent them from getting to any of these, then just buying pet safe plants is your last option. (laughs) So maybe not your last option, but the only one I could come up with and think about and do research on. So for cats specifically, there are plants that are perfect for them to nibble on. So if your cat is really insistent on eating your house plants, no matter what, buy them a plant they're okay to eat. So like catnip, cat grass, lemongrass, cat thyme, or valerian are all plants that are actually totally fine for your cat to nibble on. Lemongrass is actually one of those plants that you can find almost at any garden center in spring and summer in the herb section. Sometimes even catnip is the same thing, but even at grocery stores, you can find lemongrass and catnip too. So those are all really good options if you don't mind your cat eating something. You just don't want your cat to eat your stuff. Buy them something that they can actually nibble on. 
for dogs, they don't graze as much as cats. So there's not really a good solution to an alternative grazing solution for your dog. Probably the best option for a dog is training them, that boundary training, and just getting on them about them because they're going to listen more than cats will in that case. Or using distracting toys or even deterrence. The distracting toys would probably be the most successful and the training would be long-term success. So that is my advice for preventing your pet from getting into your houseplants. All right, let's get moving to the Instagram q and I'm very excited about this because we have so many questions this time. Okay, so this Instagram Q&A is new as of the last couple podcasts. I've asked my followers on my page at Houseplant Homebody LLC if they had any specific questions I could address in this podcast and blog. So that is what this section is for. So I'm going to read the question directly and then answer it. Granted, I've already answered some of these questions above, but I'll just go over everything to remind everyone so I can definitely answer your question. So the first question I got is, can cats and houseplants ever coexist? I believe they can. I have never owned a cat, and I know cats have very unique personalities. So really depends on your pet and your home. But I would try those deterrents or distractions first. If that doesn't work, try the repositioning. That way you allow your pet to be successful. If that doesn't work, I would just provide those extra healthy plants that they're allowed to chew on. But that would be my suggestion. I would hope one of those would work. At least the deterrents or the distractions should help, but... Those would be my options. The next question is, can animals brush up or touch leaves of toxic plants with their body and be okay? So there aren't a lot of common houseplants that are poisonous by just touching them and rubbing up against them. Sometimes when you cut a leaf or a branch off of a houseplant, there is a sap that could cause irritation to your pet or you or a human in general if it's touched. In that case, I would be cautious So for example, if you just cut off a stem of a monstera because you're propagating it and your cat likes to jump into the pot and just walk around and that sap is still there, that could cause irritation. So I would just be careful about that. But most of the time, the toxicity happens when the plant's ingested, but the sap could cause irritation to your pet skin or your skin as well. So I would say in general, if your plant is just walking around the plants, they're probably okay. Like Bruno does it once in a while um, downstairs with all of our houseplants and he has never had a problem and it's never been an issue. So I hope that helps and answers that question. The sap part is what I would just like be cautious of. And that's not with every houseplant, but it's still something to think about. Okay. The next question is, do I need to wash my hands after touching leaves, stems of my plants before feeding my pet? Well, do I think you should wash your hands after dealing with your houseplants in general? Yes. Do I think you need to? Not necessarily. And this probably depends on the plants you're dealing with and how you're treating your plants is more of my concern than dealing with the plant. So I feel like you would be washing your hands before feeding your pet in general as just like a health concern. But If you are, for example, pruning a plant back and you're handling it, you could have the sap on your hands that could cause the irritation as well. So that's one reason to do it. But also if you treat your plants, for example, pests or if you use neem oil or anything like that, you don't want to be putting that in your pet's food and you don't want to be putting it in your own mouth either. So I would recommend always washing your hands after dealing with houseplants. I always do. For example, oleander is one of the most poisonous houseplants out there, and even dealing with the stems could cause serious problems. So in that case, especially with that one, you should thoroughly wash your hands. But in other cases, I cannot definitively say you should or should not. 
And like I discussed in the last question, if you're exposed to that sap inside the stems, leaves, branches, it may cause a problem. So in general, every time you deal with your houseplants or you're maintaining your houseplants, just I would recommend washing your hands. So that's my answer to that. The next question is, does neem oil, speaking of, affect my pet smell or if ingested or if it was on the skin still when feeding my pet? So I know I just briefly talked about this, but to go into more detail, I use a neem oil concentrate, which is a bonide product, and it says on the label it can cause irritation if absorbed by your skin. I looked more into their safety data sheet online and it recommended to avoid all unnecessary exposure. So I would actively try not to deeply inhale this product or really actively put it on your skin. If you've diluted it with water, which is usually what you do with concentrate, it's not going to be as harmful as the direct concentrate, but it could still cause irritation. So no matter Honestly, whether it's neem oil or whatever product you're using, no matter what you're treating your houseplants with, I would always recommend washing your hands before moving on to really anything. But I would also make sure you read the label of your products to find out the appropriate information as well. So for example, the bonide neem oil concentrate might be different than the spray that's already been diluted. I don't know, but that's just from my experience. I would still wash your hands. The smell didn't seem to be as much of a concern on the label as much as skin contact was. So hopefully that answers your question on that one. The next one was just funny. I had to include it. Someone said, oh, cute dog. So thank you. I posted a picture of Bruno when I asked this question. So that's nice. Thank you. Okay, the next real question. <laughs> Ways to keep your pets away from plants. Mine are insistent on munching. Again, try the three stages, deter and deflect, reposition, or just buy safe plants. So that's kind of the level I would start at is if you're just new to trying to stop them from munching, deter them from doing it with some kind of deterrent or a citrus mixture of some sort. If that doesn't work, deflect, try to distract them, do something else. If that really doesn't work, move the plants into a safer position so that way you can help your pet succeed. If that really doesn't work, then just make sure you're buying plants that are safe. So that is my suggestion. The next question is how to get your pets to stop digging in your plants. So I was worried about this when I first got Bruno because I had a banana plant and the pot was probably like, oh my God, 20 inches wide and the banana stalk was only like six inches wide. So there was a lot of dirt sitting there. I was afraid he'd eat the dirt. It never happened. But if I had a pet that liked to dig, it definitely would have happened there. So you can try covering your soil with something harder like pebbles, rocks. Tin foil is going to be a noise cats specifically hate. You could use a fabric or a burlap as well. Chicken wire is just going to be an automatic deterrent to almost any pet. They're not going to want to dig in that. Or you can even try pine cones. The texture of that and trying to get through that would not be very pleasant to them. So all of those things could deter your pet from digging in the plant, hopefully. And eventually they'll probably give up if they see that there's something covering it. Okay, the next question is, how do I keep my cat from nibbling on every plant I own? <laughs> so I kind of answered this earlier, but I would again first try spraying that deterrent on the leaves, whether it's the citrus juice mixed with water or the actual pet deterrent you get from Tui.com or even your local pet store. If that doesn't work, try deflecting, try distracting. And if that doesn't work, try the repositioning. And if that doesn't work, buy pet safe houseplants or move them to a room that they can't get to. Okay, the last question was, are plants that are toxic usually also toxic to humans? It is safe to assume that poisonous houseplants to pets are also poisonous to humans. This might not be for every case, but almost every plant on the toxic list that I listed is also toxic to humans. 
So the difference is some plants could have a very similar reaction if ingested by a human versus a pet, but others might have a worse reaction for pets or a worse reaction for humans. It just depends on the plant we're talking about. And again, usually depends on the pet. It also depends on the person. If you have any children, I would also consider repositioning your houseplants until they're old enough to really understand that that could really hurt them, but they are poisonous to humans as well. And again, all this information is going to be on the blog post if you want to learn about it again or at least double check it before you're buying your houseplant. A lot of the information is here. All the plants that I listed above are going to be in alphabetical order, so it should be pretty easy to find. And all of the direct links to the website are there as well. If you have specific questions, if you're not able to find answers online yourself, feel free to reach out to me because this really is a very important topic. So thank you guys for asking all those questions. I really appreciate it. And thanks for tuning into this podcast. Thank you for listening to episode 31 of Houseplant Homebody, all about living with pets and plants. Don't forget to check out the blog post that corresponds with this podcast. If you go to houseplant-homebody.com and go to the blog tab, you'll find it there. Also, there are links to Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest at Houseplant Homebody LLC on my website. And don't forget to rate and review this podcast and make sure you're doing all the commenting, liking, sharing, and subscribing to the podcast my blog and social media posts. I love to hear from all of you and what you've learned through your own experience or through this podcast. And you can also help support your favorite podcast and blog by joining me on Patreon for early access to podcasts, exclusive content, and exclusive podcasts. So your support means everything to me and I am very excited to keep bringing you plant bios and information. And don't forget to check back every other Tuesday for more podcasts and corresponding blog posts. From one houseplant homebody to another, See you next time. Hello, everyone. I don't have much to say this time, but I wanted to stop on here. I don't know if you saw my Instagram story from last Sunday, the 11th, but my friend Brittany, who owns a company called Busy Bee Threads, has been working on some merchandise for me. So that is really exciting. She's been experimenting with screen printing and using the Cricut and whatnot, trying to create our own merchandise. So we're still experimenting with it, but I'm really excited to see some things finally moving forward with it. I'm hoping that by the summertime or at least early fall, late summer, I will have merchandise. And on Sunday, I had a poll going to see what people wanted to see in the store. So far, the most common ones are stickers and clothing. And then when it comes to clothing, people were interested in t-shirts and crew neck sweatshirts. And then I also have some line drawings that I have done of my own photography. I traced them and I just created line drawings out of them. And I asked if people wanted to see that on my merchandise, which I have just some really good visions about that. So a lot of people, most people said that'd be really cool to see as well in a merchandise. So we shall see. I'm very excited. So stay tuned for that. I currently do have a small mini houseplant homebody sticker. So if you want to get something, there is something up right now. I'm selling it through the Etsy website, but I do have it listed on my website as well. So you can check that out if you would like one. Other than that, that's all I got. Hope you guys have a great week and I will talk to you later. Oh, wait, one more thing. I forgot to tell you. The next podcast is going to be fiddly fig or ficus lyrata. So if you have specific questions about those plants, feel free to reach out to me. I will be posting on my story 
on Tuesday after this podcast is released to find out if you guys have any questions about that plant. And usually I ask the question like two more times before I record. So watch out for that on Instagram. If you have a specific question, please put it in there. Okay, perfect. I will talk to you all later. Bye-bye.